What this is about is me and you. I want to look at this from the perspective, why did these men come to this decision? How did this create the first true democracy that the history of the world has ever known? If we can get to the core, to the principles that drove the writing of the Declaration of Independence, I believe for ourselves, our personal freedom can be embraced and we can experience it at a level we never have before. You're listening to the Kniep and It Real Jodcast. This is your host, Seth Kniep. Welcome back to the Kniep Jodcast. This is Seth Kniep, Kniep and Real, your host. It is called the JOD Jodcast because I built my success off of a single dime. Today will be a little bit different. Today I'm going to talk about freedom. Today, I'm going to talk about 56 men back in the year of 1776 who signed a statement that was audacious, that was treasonous, that put their own lives and families at risk called the Declaration of Independence. Now, today's broadcast will not be so much about the political side of this, but more about where this came from and how that applies to us today. I am so tired of seeing people live in fear. People afraid to say what they believe. People afraid to be honest with their spouses about what they prefer and don't prefer. People afraid to admit when they've messed up and say these words, please forgive me. People afraid to confront a business partner or employee when something isn't right. Afraid to tell them what they really think. And it results in a sort of castrated way of living. A life that is always worried about what someone else thinks or says or being canceled or being perceived a certain way. And that leads to restriction. It leads to a sort of bondage that is disheartening. It leads to a society of people following along mindlessly instead of being courageous, outlandishly courageous and free to debate, to talk, to discuss, to engage. I find so much inspiration from the signers of the Declaration of Independence that I cannot think about freedom without thinking about these 56 badasses. On July 4th, when these men made this statement, they made a treasonous decision. And I'm sure there were a lot of people who questioned what they did. In fact, there were many who questioned what they did. This is wrong. Some people called it sin. This is treasonous. How dare you go against England's rule? And in their context, the courage this took was absolutely remarkable. They knew at that moment that when they signed that statement, they were signing themselves up for major suffering, resistance, discomfort, and yet something about it was so liberating. When we are ready to live our lives in a way that is free, not afraid to disagree, not afraid to say, no, this is wrong, not afraid of debate, not afraid of admitting when we are wrong, not afraid of true intimacy, which is, here's how I feel. Here's what I'm struggling with, with those people you love the most. And the reason this matters so much is when you get to a point when you're not afraid, you're set free. You get to be who you were created to be. You get to be the fullest, truest version of yourself. Just because something is trending, just because some ideology has broken on the news or is now trending in social media does not make it right. What is trending is not always right. 
And what is right is not always trending. Today, I'm going to do something very different. And I'm going to read to you the Declaration of Independence. Again, this is not about what political position or party you're from. I could care less. This isn't about what your idea, what the perfect government should be. I really don't care. What this is about is me and you. I want to look at this from the perspective, why did these men come to this decision? How did this create the first true democracy that the history of the world has ever known? If we can get to the core, to the principles that drove the writing of the Declaration of Independence, I believe for ourselves, our personal freedom can be embraced and we can experience it at a level we never have before. We need men and women to stand up and say what they believe without shame, to not be afraid of disagreeing. When you do that, you are somehow free. You become courageous. You become confident in who you are instead of always wondering, well, what should I talk about? What should I not? Oh, no, that's I shouldn't say that because come, someone's going to think I'm this way. That is not living. That is a death. I would rather be dead than live a life like that. And that means sometimes we have to suffer momentary instability to experience long-term stability. Before I read the Declaration of Independence, I just want to share one thought that I find so liberating. Freedom is restricted by attachments. Let me explain what I mean by attachments. I don't mean attachment as in you and your spouse or you and your boyfriend or girlfriend or you and your child or your friend being attached, being connected, where you care about what they think. That's a good thing. I'm talking about the kind of attachment that restricts you from being you. When someone is attached to something at a level where they feel that their own identity will get lost or hurt or mixed up if they're honest, that results in this bondage type living I'm talking about. Why are we afraid to be honest with our spouse? Why are we afraid to confront someone who wronged us? Why are we afraid to disagree with a trending ideology, regardless of the fact that it may have no basis in science at all? Why? Because of attachments, because of this need to be accepted. But here's the thing, when I die, when you die, How many of us will be remembered because, oh, what an amazing person. They were accepted by society of their day. If I go back to the days of World War II, if I lived in Germany, whether or not I was part of the SS or the Nazi regime, I was not accepted unless I agreed with the Nazi ideology that Jews are somehow responsible for the struggles and the economic suffering that Germany was in. And therefore, the answer must be to follow what Hitler says. I would not have been accepted, nor would you have been. Now, I'm not saying that today we live in the equivalent of that. Some ways, yes. Some ways, no. My point is, if acceptance is my greatest ideology to live for, I have already sacrificed what it means to live. Acceptance will will never get me anywhere. When I worked at Apple, it was my desire to be accepted, my desire to do what I'm supposed to do for its own sake so I could get where I wanted to be that caused me to compromise who I am at my core identity. And that is Seth Kniep Kniep in a real. If I was to ask you, no, let me reverse this. If you were to ask me, Seth, how are you doing? And I said, last night, I got in a really tough argument with my wife and it was painful and there were tears. It might make you a little uncomfortable, but that would be an honest answer. If I was to tell you, hey, um, 
I have a headache and I had a really bad day last week. Now that's not true. The other is, but it would make you uncomfortable. For some reason, it is no longer acceptable to be honest with people about how we're doing. Now I get it. It depends on who you're talking to. You're not going to be super open with some. You might be more open with others. But what happened to transparency? What happened to living authentically? Well, we're not afraid to say, hey, I struggle with this. Hey, I struggle with that. That's a part of life. I could also say that this morning I gave my wife a hug and a kiss and there were happy tears in her eyes. Both are real. Both are true. But we tend to only want to talk about those things that make us feel accepted. It's somehow become culturally unacceptable to be honest and raw about what we really think. The idea that if I disagree with you or you disagree with me means one of us is just unacceptable, that's horrible. The men who, and women who died, the tens of thousands of men and women whose blood was spilt for the freedom of living the American way is put to shame if I or you are afraid to stand up and say what we really, really believe. And to shame anyone for disagreeing with someone is not only cowardly, but it shows how shaky a foundation one really stands on. Because if you are sure in your foundation, if I'm sure in my foundation, I can have a debate with you and we can disagree and we can still be friends and have different views. That's what freedom is, to be able to say what you believe. Not break laws. But if I create laws that say, well, if you say a certain thing or believe this, then now you are going against the law. That's not freedom anymore. That is no longer democracy. All right, so let me jump into the Constitution. July 4, 1776, I'm going to read the original wording. So some of these words may be a little strange. I'll interpret the best that I can. Please understand when these men, when these 56 badasses with white wigs sat down and signed this, they were essentially saying, I know this may cost me my life and it cost the life of many. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. In other words, we've reached a point where we must separate ourselves from this tyranny. We hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, they're there. They don't even need proof. They are simply there. It's like if I see a tree, I don't have to prove to you there's a tree. Use your eyeballs. It's there. That's the idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Notice they did not say the same. And by the way, men means men and women. That's how they used it back then. All men, including women, are created equal. Same and equal are not the same thing. Today, we have this ideology that equal means same. It doesn't. I and my wife are very different. Not only anatomically, which should be kind of obvious, but how we think, how we operate. I and my business partners are very different, but we are equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. In other words, God gave us certain rights. Now, does this mean someone has to believe in God in order to agree with this? No, it doesn't. There are many people who don't believe in God. I do, it's obvious, some don't. However, that doesn't take away these facts. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, 
liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is a real quick question. How do I know if my liberty is being restricted? When I fear results for saying what I believe, my liberty is already at risk. And the only way to maintain the liberty is when good men and women with courage stand up. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. In other words, if I'm being governed by government, the government got their power because I consented to them governing. That wherever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, in other words, when government restricts my life, my liberty, my happiness, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. Now just hear me out on this. Am I saying that Texas needs to secede from the union? Nope. Am I saying we need to go gather a bunch of arms and make war on the government of the United States of America? Nope. What I am saying is if men and women don't stand up for what they believe to be true, and if they live in fear of how people respond to them, the day will come when all that freedom is eventually taken away. That day will come. And the point here, I love it, they say, look, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. This is the Declaration of Independence that America was founded upon. This is what set us apart from any other country in the history of time as we know it. I will continue and to institute new government. So they said, look, our current government, England, they're abolishing our rights. We're setting up a new government, laying its foundation on such principles, life, liberty, happiness, and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. In other words, we have to abolish that government, start a new government in order to create safety and happiness. Prudence, in other words, wisdom, indeed, will dictate, in other words, determine that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. In other words, you shouldn't just go out and change a government for something silly. Transient means temporary. Light means unimportant. And accordingly, all experience half, <laughs> I love that, shown that mankind are more disposed, more likely to suffer while evils are sufferable. In other words, endurable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. In other words, it's in our nature to go ahead and put up with tyranny if it slowly happens over time, than to take the pains and the suffering to say, look, this has to change, this has to be stopped. This is the situation they were dealing with. I mean, the reason people came to America was for freedom, it was to get away from that. And when they started experiencing these restrictions, it became absolutely intolerable. But they understand that it is natural in our nature to go ahead and put up with something than to t do what it takes to get rid of it, especially if it slowly happens over time. In other words, if those freedoms are slowly taken away, it's much easier to let that be. I'll let it go. Oh, it's not worth it. I don't want someone to react. I don't want someone to get the wrong impression. That results in the loss of our freedom, especially for our children. But when a long train of abuses, I continue reading, and usurpations, in other words, they're abusing the government back then, 1776, the English government also usurpation. They're taking away rights. They're usurping us. Invariably, the same object evinces, in other words, reveals a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. Despotism means absolute control and authority over basically a king, a monarch, sometimes a tyrannist. 
it is their rights, the people's, it is their duty to throw off such a government and to provide new guards for their future security. Now, how do we protect ourselves? Because what if we start a new government and we just end up living in the same situation? That government also becomes despotic. Such has been the patient sufferance, in other words, endurance of these colonies. And such now is the necessity which constrains them to alter, in other words, to change their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. Again, to interpret, they're saying, look, if you just, you know, silly, transient type abuses from the government or temporary things you don't like, that is not worth overthrowing a government. And by the way, guys, I'm not equating this to saying, hey, join me, let's overthrow the government. That is not my point. My point is to understand what these people were up against. So we can now interpret today what we may lose if we don't stand up and how that applies to us personally as well. However, because the tyranny, because the injustices, because of the sufferance of these 13 states, have be, the abuses have become so repetitive, they reached a breaking point. And these 56 men said, we're going to change this. Now, here's what they write about the King of Great Britain. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. In other words, he does not agree with laws they want to create for the public good. He has forbidden his governors, in other words, governors over states in the United States, the 13 at that time, in the 1700s, to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he is utterly neglected to attend to them. In other words, again, these governors want to pass laws that are needed. He doesn't allow it. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature. This is so important. A right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. In other words, if you don't allow us to have representatives to represent our needs and you only let us pass a law, if we remove those representatives, you are destroying the heart of democracy and freedom life, liberty, happiness. If I give that over to someone and say, look, I'm giving you my future. I'm letting you determine what is good for me because I'm too dumb to decide what I need to live a half happy, healthy, successful life. What does that result in? Absolute misery. The history of nations attests to this again and again and again. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing, in other words, exhausting them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly. In other words, representative houses, groups of people voted by the people to represent the people. He has dissolved them for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. When people resist that, oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just remove you. You're removed because I don't agree with you. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, 
In other words, people who came in as foreigners, allowing them to become citizens, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. If I want to own land, you're raising the restriction. You're making it harder and harder for me to own my land. The whole reason, again, the United States was started is people first were looking for religious freedom and ultimately financial, economic, political, social freedom. He, the king of Great Britain, has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. In other words, he has not allowed them to have their own governing bodies at judicial levels. Everything has to go back to England back in the 1700s. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. In other words, the king decides, here's what you're going to get paid. Here's how long your tenure, how long you may be a judge in the 13 states of America. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. In other words, he's sending his representatives to say, here's what you're going to do, and these are going to be your representatives. But the people never voted for them. That kind of invasion where the government says, you're going to do what I say no matter what. I don't care about your interests. I'm deciding what's good for you. At the core of this, when someone else, and guys, remember this, this is not just about the government. This is so much more about our personal freedom than we even realize. When someone else decides that they know what's best for you and how to live, and we surrender that freedom over, we lose our purpose for living. We lose our incentive. We lose our creativity. And it results in misery. I will not walk and live the life of a sleeping zombie, just going around accepting things because that's the way they are. It was that belief that set me free to believe I could start with a single dime and double that 20 times to over $100,000 and turn that into millions selling on Amazon and ultimately just one dime, a coaching company that has helped, that has trained over 10,000 students and turned over 30 people into millionaires. That never would happen unless I embraced my freedom, unless I had said, no, I'm done living the corporate way. If you're at a job where you feel like you're just a drone, living day by day as you're doing as you're told just because building someone else's vision but not being a part of the vision not being able to collaborate not being able to learn and grow and be challenged and corrected sometimes so you can grow if you're just there because of the security and the paycheck is that the life you want is, is, is that the kind of life you want to be known for i don't want that kind of life you know back in the agrarian society before the the industrial revolution of the 18 1900s parents parented their kids together the farm was just a few yards away they worked together children were like apprentices to their parents and the industrial revolution as much as i like the free economy and the market and all that some of the costs that came with it is dad goes to work at the factory the office all day he comes home he's exhausted he has an hour maybe two to spend with his wife and kids but not really to emotionally engage and connect and he's gone the next morning and mom is at home watching the kids and then later women started to work and now women putting their kids in childcare. And so these kids aren't being raised by their parents anymore. What has that done to our society? And then men go to this job place where you're told what to believe and how to believe and how to act and how not to act and pretty much shove it when it comes to your feelings. Many of the people who went to battle fighting for the freedom of the United States of America, there was this idea that you can't be emotional. You can't share your emotions because if you do, that will get in the way of you pulling the trigger to kill the enemy. So literally men were taught and women as well, as women also began to join the military to suppress their feelings. You do that in a home, your marriage freaking falls apart. You do that with your kids. Your kids don't even know how to share their feelings. They don't know how to engage. They become 
emotionally, mentally, sexually constipated. This list in the Declaration of Independence goes on. I don't have time to read the whole thing. There's a lot more. I just want to read the last paragraph. Again, I'm not trying to start some revolution of government level. I'd rather start a revolution of heart. People are not afraid to fight for their freedom. People are not afraid to say what they believe. People are ready to go and build a business and make money so they have margin to do the things they love with the people they love. It is those core principles that drove these men to make this decision. What's the answer today? Maybe you need to write your own personal declaration of independence. Maybe we need to start being honest with our spouses, the people we love the most. Maybe we need to be willing to have the momentary instability, pain and suffering of being honest and real. Yeah, I'm afraid. Remember on Rocky three, when he had to fight Club Lang, Mr. T. <laughs> and at one point he just broke down to his wife and he said, okay, I'm afraid. I admit it, I'm afraid. And it was at that moment, by saying he was afraid to fight him a second time, it allowed his wife to be intimate with him. Now he had opened the door, the painful door of, I'm afraid. And now she was able to come close and that created a greater bond. And now she could support him. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be rejected. It's okay to get discouraged. Those are good, good for us. Maybe not good in themselves, but good for us. Just don't be afraid to say what you believe. Don't be afraid to make a change. Don't live in this constant fear. And I think, again, it goes back to attachments. If you're afraid to confront someone because you're afraid of losing the relationship, how are you really loving them? How are you really loving yourself? Yes, there's a time to not say anything. There's tact, absolutely wisdom, pray, wait until the right time. I agree with that. I don't mean be impulsive. But if you're afraid to confront someone you love, whether it's a spouse or a friend or a business partner, or share what you're struggling with, or be open about things you've done that you feel terrible about, it kills intimacy. It kills closeness. It restricts freedom. And you end up feeling castrated and just like a zombie. Like there isn't this life, this courage, this boldness. When you are willing to let go, when you are willing to lose your spouse, your boyfriend, even your own child, I'm not saying you should want to lose, but in your mind, you're willing to stop holding on to that emotional security. I have to have you. Instead, I love you enough to be real with you. That's when you begin living freedom. That's when you become more attractive to other people, not just people who are sexually attractive, but just people in general, friends, business partners. See what happens? It, it happens in here. That's where freedom starts inside. That's why I've told people a thousand times. Your success is not based on your bank account. It's not based on how much you sell on Amazon. It starts on the inside. When someone says to his spouse, please forgive me. When someone says to his employee, hey, this is wrong, this needs to change. When someone says, how can I better support you? Even though it's uncomfortable. When someone runs into what they fear. Uh, look, try this. Write down all the things that make you afraid and be really honest. Like, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of losing? What are you afraid of looking like? What are you afraid of people saying about you? Write those down and then ask a simple question. What can I do to run into the face of fear? F fear, F it. I'll read the last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. Something that every single American should know so deeply. I, I think schools should require the memorization of this. We therefore, here it comes. Here's the real clincher. <laughs> we therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing, just 
I got to stop. These are 56 men, inferior military, inferior economy, like inferior in every way to this huge, huge enemy called England at the time. I love you, my British friends. <laughs> and they're writing this. You talk about courage. They let go of the attachment of security to mama, papa, England to feed me and take care of me and tell me what I need for my life. They were willing to let go of that attachment, which set them free and has created freedom for literally millions of people. Why do people love coming to America? Why are there so many immigrants trying to get in right now and allowed to get in? Because they know opportunity is here. That wouldn't exist had these 56 men not had the courage to do this, which it makes me ask the question, am I willing to do, am I willing to make the decision necessary to live a life of freedom? And are you my friend? Okay, I promise I'll read the last paragraph. We, therefore, the representation of the United States of America and General Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world. That is God himself they're referring to. For the, and judge is capitalized for a reason. For the rectitude of our intentions. In other words, is it correct? Rectitude. We appeal to him. We're letting him be the judge, not England anymore, God himself. Do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colon colonies, the common people, the citizens, the folks, we solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. That's treason. That's absolutely treasonous. That they are absolved, in other words, no longer obligated to, from all allegiance to the British crown. And that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. In other words, we're done with you, Britain. We don't need you anymore. Goodbye. I choose to live a life of freedom. You can take my life, but you can't take my freedom. And that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war. <laughs> we have the right to make war. Conclude peace. Come to peaceful terms in war contract alliances in other words with other nations where we work together establish commerce free market capitalism and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right to do and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence referring to god himself we mutually together pledge to each other our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor for the sake of your honor, your future, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, will you choose freedom?